This is Midlife Mastery, session number 13. Welcome to the Midlife Mastery podcast. If getting control of your time, your money, and your life matters to you, then you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Peter Fritz. Welcome back to Midlife Mastery. Thanks to everybody who's been listening and subscribing and leaving reviews for the show. If you've enjoyed it so far, I'd love it if you'd subscribe if you haven't already. And if you could leave an, uh, a rating and an honest review, that would really help others to find the show too. Today, we're going to talk about money and why people are afraid to discuss it. In Western society, I think that one of the biggest killers is stress. And I think one of the biggest causes of stress tends to be money. It begins from a young age. We're taught to consume stuff, to aspire for more, to outdo the Joneses. Wherever we look, we're pummeled with marketing messages that tell us that we're not good enough or happy enough, fancy enough or cool enough. We're told the only way to to a fulfilling life is to spend our way there. But it's a doctrine that crushes the spirit. It destroys relationships and it blinds us to the magic of our brief time on earth. Strangely, few people are comfortable talking about it. We have a tendency or we've been raised to have this tendency to measure and compare ourselves by our paycheck and by the material possessions that we own, even though many of those end up owning us. So we've given money a lot more power than I think it rightly deserves. Because really, money is something all of us need. We spend a huge portion of our lives earning it. As much as 35% of our total waking hours, or around 92,000 hours in a lifetime, is spent grinding away to earn money. And yet, despite this mammoth commitment to getting it, many of, us are com- many of us complete our careers with very little to show for it. And I tend to think it's this stigma that we attach to money that prevents many of us from facing the realities of both its pursuit and its use. So often our spending is more closely aligned to our ambition rather than our present reality. And therefore, much of our lives unfolds behind the eight ball. We're always scratching away trying to get to the next level just to pay for the stuff that our ambition has already forced us to acquire, usually with debt. Those who struggle with money often arm themselves with comforting platitudes like, well, money won't make you happy, or you can't take it with you. And those are true, obviously. But I've seen a lot more misery and frustration coming from the lack of money than a surplus of it. I know this from personal experience too. When all your bills are red and your car has just blown a head gasket, money is the one thing you really need. Another favourite saying is, money's not important. But that's like telling a person who's dying of thirst that a glass of water isn't important. Money is important where money works, like living without stress, getting the best medical care, or doing the work that you love. It puts a roof over your head and food in your stomach. It has a huge influence on where you live, how warm you are in the winter, and how much freedom you enjoy. Some say that money changes people, especially if it arrives, arrives into their lives suddenly. I mean, you look at all the people who win these big lottery wins, and more often than not, I think the stats are that something like 95% of them within five years are worse off financially than what they were before they won it. So there's a lot of you know um, evidence to support that a sudden influx of money can screw with people's lives. But I don't believe it's changed those people. I think that's rubbish, actually. I think what, it's, what it tends to do is it reveals people. Uh, when people suddenly come into a lot of money, it reveals who they really are, who they really were in the first place. A good person who suddenly comes into a lot of money can do a lot more good with it, and they generally will. A bad person just becomes worse. They become more of a prick. And likewise, a person who has trouble managing their money, who um, lacks discipline with money, when they suddenly come into a lot of it, 
it's just going to be amplified to 11. It'll be the same thing, it's just there'll be a few more zeros attached to it. Mindless compulsive consumption is every bit as destructive, in my opinion, as the Black Death, which killed up to 20 mil, sorry, 200 million people in the, in the 1300s. Like a frog in a pot of boiling water, most of us don't realise that we're slipping towards our demise until it's too late. We become so acclimatised to the deception that we're unaware of the danger. A while ago, I wrote a little book called Breathe Again, Debt-Free in Three Simple Steps, and it confronts this issue head on. It's more than a simple little how-to book on debt reduction. What it really does is it tackles the questions many of us are afraid to ask, and it presents a simple, easy-to-implement strategy for getting our lives back on track so we can breathe again and begin to see all the opportunities around us. It draws on my failures as an ambitious gold star chaser who wanted everything but ended up losing more. And through a three-step process, it illustrates how I reversed the damage of my past and created a life some people would envy, not just for the financial turnaround. I mean, I'm not rich by any stretch, but, you know, I managed to turn things around, but more so for the freedom and the autonomy that my life now has. Look, I guess the overwhelming message that I want to convey with this episode is just how important it is for a couple to uh, be on the same page when it comes to money. It's something that shouldn't be swept under the carpet and it shouldn't be allowed to get to a point where it boils over into conflict. Money issues are such a common cause of um, relationship breakdowns and divorce and really a lot of it is completely unnecessary. I mean, a couple will spend time talking about a holiday and planning a holiday or a home that they're going to build or a car that they're going to buy, or which school they're going to send their kids to. And yet, so many of them just defer to an assumed model or method for managing money in the household. And often it's not a decision by consensus. It's not a decision that's been reached intelligently and through discussion and agreement. It's a method of operating which is, well, it often involves brinkmanship. It often involves one of the partners being far more assertive and dominant when it comes to decisions around money than the other, and the other just simply concedes. Until, of course, it gets to a point where a conflict arises. And then it becomes clear that there never really was a plan. There never really was consensus on what to do when it comes to money in the house. And that can be a huge problem. And not just that, it's not just the the conflict side of things that not having agreement when it comes to money, it's not just that kind of problem. But also, if you consider the long-term ramifications of how long you'll need to work before you can retire, what kind of retirement you're going to have, um, what kind of short and medium-term pleasures you can allow yourself without creating uh, a stigma around it or conflict in the relationship, how safely your money is going to be invested, and how well you can sleep at night. I mean, there are so many flow-on effects to not having an open and honest discussion around money that I think it's one of the most important discussions that a couple should have. And it shouldn't be a one-off discussion. It should be a regular thing. Um, actually, one of the one of the writers I've recently been reading and following is a fellow called Scott Pape, uh, an Australian writer on, on finance. And he goes under the name The Barefoot Investor. And uh, his recent book, um, which is called The Barefoot Investor, is absolutely brilliant. It is so clear and concise, the plan that he suggests for a couple to put together so that they both know exactly where they're going, what they're doing with their money, um, where it's going to be invested, what kind of returns they're going to get, 
what kind of money they can splurge on stuff they like now. I mean, the reality is, is that we work very hard these days. And, you know, when you get to your 40s and you've been paying school fees for years and all sorts of other things like that, uh, you want to splurge a bit and you want to enjoy yourself and you, you want to get some kind of um, a feeling of reward for all of the effort that you've put in over the years. So it's very important that any kind of financial plan that you have together and any discussions you have around money include, you know, some component where each of you feel like you get to enjoy the spoils of your hard work now, but that you also have a long-term plan and it's very clear, it's easy to understand, and you're not laying awake at night stressing over what your retirement's going to look like because you know what's happening and you know what the plan is and it's very easy to maintain and it, it's uncomplicated and you both agree with it. You know, it just makes life so much better. I don't know if you've read the stats before, but um, apparently once you get to about $70,000 a year income per individual, the level of happiness that any additional income brings falls off very dramatically. So uh, making more money is not often the path to happiness once you've reached a level where you can sustain yourselves, you can pay your bills, you can put a bit aside, you can enjoy a bit of a splurge every now and again. So making more money once you get to that level is not really the answer to happiness and peace of mind. What is, is having control over your money and having a plan which is simple and easy to manage, which is stress-free, and which allows you to think about the future in a peaceful kind of way, without any anxiety. And it's been proven that having agency over your money, over your finances and your investments, that does create a lot of additional happiness. So, my overwhelming message here is that if you don't have consensus with your partner on how money is managed in the household and where you're investing and what the future looks like for the two of you financially, it's only a matter of time, if it hasn't already, before it boils over into huge conflict and the flow on effects from that can be huge. So if you don't have a plan in place, if you don't have consensus between the two of you on matters of finance you need to begin you need to start talking openly and honestly about it and if you can't reach agreement on the important aspects then you need to bring in a third party and I'm not advising I'm not suggesting that you get in a financial advisor and certainly no one that gets paid for selling product because they're not really an advanced uh, financial advisor they're a finance product salesman. A great first step would be to read something like Scott's book, The Barefoot Investor. And if you have an issue with consumer debt now, well then grab my book as well. You can get that in paperback or Kindle at um, midlifetribe.com slash book. So, you know, have a read of that. And that's bound to help if you have a debt issue right now. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Uh, you'll find the show notes for this episode at midlifetribe.com slash 13. Thanks very much for listening. Again, if you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and if you could leave an honest rating and a review on iTunes, that'll help others to find the show as well. Uh, until next week, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. For more ideas on creating the perfect second act, go to midlifetribe.com and learn how to master your time, your money, and your life.